This is the Pop Tournaments podcast. In Pop Tournaments, we take a category of pop culture and let you, the fans, vote on matchups in a single elimination tournament format to determine an ultimate champion. We are here to discuss those results and the upcoming matchups. Thanks to our great community and everybody who votes, let's start the show. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Pop Tournaments Podcast. This is episode 171, coming to you on September 27th, 2023. Happy 25th birthday to Google Search. Oh, yeah. Launched, That's a good launched on this day 25 years ago. Remember Alta Vista and Webcrawler? <laughs> like, the, remember when there were choices? Well, so 92, uh, or Google represents 92% of the global search market. Do you want to know who uh, represents the other eight? Well, I think Yahoo probably comes in two and Bing comes in three. The answer is, I don't know. You're going to have to ask Jeeves. Oh, okay. <laughs> Stepping on my jokes there. Uh, <laughs> also, also, uh, happy birthday uh, to a couple of your favorite musicians, uh, Lil Wayne and Avril Lavigne. Nice. One of my favorite couples. Let's do this again. Who's older? Uh... The exact same age? <laughs> no, so close. Uh, Little Wayne, uh, gonna... born in 82. Avril Lavigne, born in 84. R.I.P. 2003. Oh, yeah. I forgot about you, have that. You not, have you heard this conspiracy theory? No longer with us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's so like the ult- oh, she's like the ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate warrior of pop punk. Yeah, yeah. The the first one died of steroid overdose. And then, so then they brought in the second one. But you couldn't really tell because, you know, she's covered in the, the face paint and stuff. She she literally said, see you later, boy. Yeah. Boy <laughs> meaning Earth. Because <laughs> we all know the Earth is a boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we love a good fictional ver- uh, birthday. Happy birthday, Scott Pilgrim. Not nice. so much. I'm not a Scott Pilgrim fan. Really? No, I've... just don't, one of the few Michael Sarah things that just does not do it for me. Ooh, I love Scott Pilgrim. I don't like seeing Michael Sarah confident. How about that? Sure, that makes sense <laughs> to me. I, I mean, I, I definitely get that. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Scott Pilgrim, I would probably say, is my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Okay. Well, you, you know what? You know, we'll we'll be able to debate that in a few weeks. We'll have some coming up fairly soon. Ominous, ominous, ominous. Um, and finally, I just have to point out because every it's everybody's favorite show. Two days ago, it was the 30th anniversary of the premiere of Walker, Texas Ranger. 
Nice. Got to have some Walker. Um, We are walking into a smashing start. We have Ryan Barrett. What's happening, everybody? And I'm Jake. Hope you all are doing well, Ryan. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do do you remember the... um, the Walker Texas Ranger bits on Conan O'Brien. That was the best bit on Conan O'Brien. Yeah, just yeah, the, the that... random, the pull that he would just, <laughs> or the lever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where he'd pull the lever. Yeah, yeah. God, that was so good. Um, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, it's been, you know, I had a great week. Um, everything's going wonderfully. Didn't take in a ton of content for the weekend. The big one, big undertaking. Started uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Ooh. And it was funny. It's, again, I I do this a lot where I'll try to, like, talk Netta out of watching a movie. And the more I do it, the more she's like, I want to watch this now. You, <laughs> you need know? to stop this. I know. And we got through, like, the first section. Um, it's, like, the first probably, like, the first movie. 40- for, yeah, essentially. Um, so, like, I'd say the first 45 minutes, hour, something like that. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get back to that. I think so far, so good. Um, then we watched Pink Flamingos. Have you seen? Oh, boy. Uh, enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. Just the one scene. <laughs> what a time. And um, we, it, it was so much fun. Netta had a great time, and we we both enjoyed it. I always love revisiting it. I think it's probably my fifth time watching this movie. Um, but I, um, it was so, I got roasted so hard by Netta. I was like, um, talking. I I was like, kind of setting up this viewing and I was like all right so just to kind of give you a little bit of context here um you know this is John Waters first uh feature length movie um John Waters is one of the godfathers of independent cinema um so prolific um you know throughout kind of started in the 70s and went all throughout the 80s and 90s just pumping out all these like kind of classic campy you know comedies mm-hmm. and i i was like writing There's my a- own little biography of john waters on the fly and she just looked at me as if to say like you're such a fucking nerd <laughs> and, and uh yeah it, it was a moment of like oh boy yeah How'd she take to the winking scene? Uh, She closed her eyes through most of it. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, I'll tell you when it's over. A wink and a smile. (laughs) It's definitely, I mean, seeing it again, it's the first time I've seen it in years. I mean, it's very hard to watch. I mean, a lot of it is. The, the, The chicken scene is unbelievably disturbing. And the that scene you're talking about is very disturbing. There's it's just a really, really hard watch, but a fun one. 
Maybe they should have called this Disturbia. <laughs> yeah. Starring Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> yeah, they should have. <laughs> right on. Did, did you finish Event Horizon? We did not, unfortunately. <laughs> we, we talked about it a lot. It was definitely in the conversation. But, uh, right on. But yeah, no, nothing there. But yeah, beyond that, uh, me and my lovely, beautiful, amazing girlfriend, Netta, just... Uh, did, did a lot of thrifting on Monday, and yeah, we, we had a great time. Drove out to the world's largest candy store, uh, and yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. The other big content piece for me that's been really exciting, um, I know for me and you, this is a big thing, um, the new podcast, You Springin' Springsteen on My Bean. <laughs> it has been um, awesome. Which is a continuation of the you talking you two to me. Um, you talking talking heads to my talking head. You you talking talking heads to my talking heads. What was the REM one? You talking RHCP re me. Yep. Oh, and, and then, the, oh, that was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then, uh, uh, yeah. Maybe REM was re me also. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Scott, you Scott. springing Springsteen on my bean has been so much fun, especially because I really don't know a lot about Bruce Springsteen. So it's very educational. It's so funny when I tell people about these podcasts, I'm like, yeah, it's not really about you too, though. Like they'll, they'll go like an hour and a half into the podcast without talking about you too. Like yeah. you don't have to like you too, but at the same time, you will also learn a lot about you too and probably and will, learn to appreciate them. Yeah, you will end up liking them for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's the same way with the Bruce Springsteen podcast so far. Like, I really want to dive into his catalog and learn more about him. I just, I'm about halfway through the Born to Run episode right now and it's really fun. Like, I'm like, fuck, I want to listen to this album. No, nope. oh well, I have it on vinyl for you. I might actually have a spare copy if you need. So you know, you know, Jake. I think if I'm remembering this correctly, I heard "Born to Run" for the first time on vinyl in your basement. I think you Hell played yeah. the song "Born to Run" for me for the first time, because I, I didn't ever hear it on like, you know, guitar radio. That's why they call me a tastemaker. They do. You, you, all, you also played uh, Stranglehold for me on, on vinyl in your basement by uh, the great Ted Nugent, one of your favorite political figures. The Nuge. Oh, oh man. If, if ever there's an opinion I need to go to, it, it's the Nuge. <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know what? I actually, instead of Nugent, I call him the Nugget. Because he's yeah. got nuggets of wisdom <laughs> left and right. Yeah. yeah. I also uh, call him the nugget, but not for those <laughs> same reasons. Uh, well, I, yeah, low, low content weekend for me also. But um, as mentioned last week, I finally went and watched uh, Coach Carter. And uh, didn't, didn't realize going into it, this was uh, produced by MTV Films. Mm. And I think that's that's why I was able, like I I enjoyed this. It, it's a fairly straightforward sports movie, um, but they bring in just enough campiness to like make it fun and then sure. 
just enough seriousness to make it serious. Um, Samuel L. Jackson, amazing in this movie, and you know, partially based on a true story, so it was a lot of fun. I, I just uh, again, low stakes, um, easy watch sports movie. And then I also watched 1991's Nothing But Trouble. Have you? Do you know? Yeah, yeah. Chevy I, Chase, I, Demi Moore, I remember John watching Candy. it. Yep, yep. Uh, um, the, interesting. I, I, mo- I mostly remember it for the song by uh, Digital Underground. Digital Underground. Yeah. So this is the first uh, the first film appearance uh, from Tupac Shakur. Oh no, kidding. Yeah, as he was a member of Digital Underground at the time. Um, Very, very strange movie, but very much a time capsule of movies being made at that time. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of... of, uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, Not special effects, but practical effects. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I know there's a lot of like really heavy prosthetics... And not good prosthetics. Like everybody said that movie Hoffa was bad. (laughs) They should have just got Dan Aykroyd. (laughs) Um, If you can insert uh, an audio clip from Walker, Texas Ranger right here. Yeah. (laughs) Pull that lever. Cover cover for me. (laughs) Uh, No, but that was, yeah, that was the extent of uh, my content weekend, in addition to uh, you springing Springsteen on my bean. Um, Not so sure about that title, but we'll we'll get there eventually. Oh, I think it's, I I think it's the second best. <laughs> well, maybe in the future we'll have to. One, once you get through all this, you'll be inspired to do a Springsteen tournament. Who knows? Yeah, I I was just thinking the same thing earlier today when I was listening to it. Even though I know like six Bruce Springsteen songs, but we are we'll we are not too proud to borrow from other podcasts, and we are not too proud to beg. No other podcasts. <laughs> no. Shout out, Matt. <laughs> uh, but that means let's get back into our current tournament real quick. Here we are down to our final eight. We are in the quarterfinals, and oh boy, oh boy, this is going to get interesting. Our first matchup going on right now from the same album. The first and third singles released from that album. We have Let's Dance Up Against Modern Love tied across the board so far. What do you think? Uh, definitely Modern Love here. Okay. Um, let's. I, I love Let's Dance too, but I mean, Modern Love is like just so energetic and fun. Let's Dance is a little more like cool and shiny, but you know. Plus, you have two left feet, so you do not like being asked to dance. True. <laughs> no, I'm going. I'm going the same way. Uh, uh, very close for me, but Modern Love is just. I, I think honestly, I think what does it for me in Modern Love, it's the sax. Yeah. Short for saxophone once again, for those yeah. who don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that the. I I oh. Just Bowie being Bowie. Uh, second matchup on the Bowie side, we have Space Oddity versus Heroes. So uh, interesting here, as these were both early in Bowie's career 
songs, but definitely uh, Heroes is the one that has grown to be way more revered uh, years later, uh, I, I guess. Whereas, you know, Space Oddity, obviously an early huge hit. Um, does Space Oddity have a chance, though? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, okay. I, I think I picked it. Um, I think Space Oddity is a lot more kind of campy and fun, sort of. And Heroes is so serious, you know? Heroes mm-hmm. is like drama. Um, it's very kind of prestige critic sort of song, you know? Much and like the first Spa- season of Heroes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Space Oddity is more like the second season of Heroes. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, I think I think this one is close. Uh, I'm leaning Heroes personally myself, though. Yeah, I'm definitely way into Heroes and probably, you know, voting that all the way. Greg Grunberg. Um, over yeah. on the Queens. <laughs> Sorry. JJ's I'm just going to be dropping. Yeah. I'm going to be dropping heroes references all, all episode long. Um, over on the Queen side. So last week we had somebody to love with the huge upset over Bohemian Rhapsody. Controversial to many of the pop tarts. Wow. But it will be. It will be. I didn't, I didn't know that. Somebody to love. Up against I Want to Break Free. Great and, matchup. Yeah, this is... I I honestly... I guess just because of beating Bohemian Rhapsody at right now, uh, I'm going to give the edge to somebody to love. Tough matchup here. What are you thinking? I think I am going to go with somebody to love. And I really love both of these songs... I think it's a really solid uh, semifinal matchup here. You know, queen semifinal matchup. Yeah. Um, and yeah, but but yeah, I think I'm leaning somebody to love. I think it's just a little more classic in the, in the queen oeuvre. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. It is a very, very tough matchup. And it's nice to see a lesser known song like I Want to Break Free get to this point. Um, overall, this whole tournament, uh, I, I I don't necessarily agree with all the decisions, but thank you, Pop-Tarts, for making this a, a fun one that uh, has not been predictable. So For sure. Uh, say, same here. Uh, and going into our last matchup here, kind of, I, I think these are two songs that, um, you know, when you asked anybody, would, would, would these be considered two of the top four Queen songs? But uh, I'm glad they're both here. We have Don't Stop Me Now up against Killer Queen. Another tough one for me, but it looks like maybe easy for you. No, no, no. I mean, no. Yeah, yes, I think easy for me just because Killer Queen is probably my favorite Queen song or, you know, in the top couple. But um, so, yeah, I think it's it will be easy-ish. But I think it's a great matchup, and I love both of these songs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I mean, for I mean, I think this is a tougher matchup than the first one. Um, and I do kind of think 
I, I know we kind of talked about it before. I, I grew up with like a kind of passing knowledge of Queen, even though I wasn't into classic rock because right. um, Bohemian Rhapsody kind of got me into like their greatest hits or whatever. Yeah. But I didn't hear Don't Stop Me Now until like Shaun of the Dead kind of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I think it was Wayne's World that got you into Queen. Exactly. And it was another movie. <laughs> yeah. And like, so I feel like Don't Stop Me Now was one of those kind of sleeper hits that even though it was a hit, it mm-hmm. wasn't really super known or celebrated here until the last, you know, 15 years or whatever. It kind of became more, more popular. But I do think that like, if you had people who like Queen if you ask them like what their top five favorite queen hits were, mm-hmm. I think I think both of these songs would be in the top top four or five. Well, I think this this just speaks to musicians nowadays and why it is important to make albums instead of just singles. Because you know what? If you if you believe in yourself as a musician, you might be ahead of your time. Mm-hmm. Much like Queen was with Don't Stop Me Now. I, I mean, that's like, I don't know. I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, like, that's such a huge song now. But if Queen was around nowadays, would they ever, ever even attempt a song like this? Yeah. You know, like, it, it, try stuff. It's okay. It's okay to make an album with, you know, uh, two hits, a couple of duds, and then some songs that are in between and we need to reevaluate in 10 years. Yeah. Make albums. Albums. Come on, everybody. I do Uh, love that, like, in the middle of the 70s, they had a song that says, I'm going to make a supersonic man out of you. And (laughs) everybody was like, man, that Freddie Mercury is a real ladies man. (laughs) He he, he loves speed. Supersonic. (laughs) Yeah. Out there running the track every day. Yeah. Um, all right, real quick. So we're down to eight. I'll let you go first. Pick pick two finalists. Oh, boy. I think it's going to be... You know what? I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to go Heroes Ooh. versus Killer Queen. I, oh. I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to kind of go with what I want. Because I okay, think that okay. I think that sometimes I don't give the pop tarts enough credit, and and I go with kind of like what I think is the the most mass mass appeal kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think these are the two best songs, and I I I think these are the two most deserving songs. So we'll see. I'll I'll tell you what I would watch that superhero movie. I I would watch Heroes versus the Killer Queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, yes, come on, Marvel. <laughs> after that was supposed to be after Skyler, after Skyler <laughs> died, that was supposed to be the next big bad was the Killer Queen. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit different. I'm going to go with an all love finale. I'm gonna go modern love versus somebody to love. Also, which I think would also be fun. Yeah, I, I totally. Both, I, watch, we're both gonna be wrong. <laughs> Save the cheerleader, save the world. <laughs> All right. Well, that does mean 
uh, as this tournament closes, another one opens. But so when when God shuts down one pop tournament, <laughs> yeah. he starts up another one. So uh, we and we love our big gigantic tournaments. So we're going to be celebrating the greatest R-rated comedies of the last forty years. This was a huge undertaking and not easy to determine. Yeah. This, yeah, this, this was... ran in, ran into a couple snags along the way, but I think <laughs> we uh, we got a nice a nice list of what how, how many entries fifty six, uh fifty six so fourteen per decade. Wow, we went uh, nineteen eighty through two thousand nineteen. There's going to be some controversy. Uh, definitely, there's uh, a couple of those decades that were a little bit more loaded than the others, so we had to uh, make some cuts, but. I really enjoyed how this turned out. So uh, let's let's quick get through. Well, and I say quick, but three matchups on our uh, 1980s R-rated comedy bracket, and I absolutely love this first matchup right out of the gate. We got Beverly Hills Cop from uh, released in December of 1984 up against Lethal Weapon released in March of 1987. Beverly Hills Cop, obviously starring the great Eddie Murphy. Um, this was the highest grossing uh, comedy of 1984 in the U.S. It Worldwide, $316 million, nominated for Best Screenplay. No kidding. Yeah, comedies don't usually get love at the Oscars, and I was so happy to... to uh, hear that um but like i said obviously eddie murphy in the starring role we got judge reinhold uh paul reiser damon waynes with a little bit part in there and um what was funny so the eddie murphy role originally offered to mickey rourke no kidding uh then offered to sylvester stallone who wanted to make it like a dark crime drama and hmm. not a comedy. <laughs> wow. No, like he was like literally attached and like rewrote the script. Hmm. That's wild. And then later later used all of those ideas that he had in his movie Cobra. Um which was equally popular. I'm just uh, kidding. Also uh, <laughs> also considered were uh uh Harrison Ford, Richard Pryor, even Al Pacino. Now, Pacino and Pryor I could both see in the role. I Yeah. I, I could I could see that happening. Even crazier though, originally attached to direct Martin Scorsese. No shit. <laughs> that is so crazy. And, and then after he dropped out, David Cronenberg. So okay. many different movies. That's so a, many different I, movies I, this could I quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, I'm going I'm going to blow your mind even more on Lethal Weapon. So, written by the great Shane Black. We love Shane Black movies, but he, oh, yeah. he was this was this was the one of the first films he ever wrote. Um, obviously, starring Mel Gibson as uh, Detective Riggs and Danny Glover as Murtaugh. He's too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Gary Busey, Darlene Love. Love the cast here, but originally supposed to direct instead instead of Richard Donner. So Richard Donner, the director here, he also directed The Goonies. Scrooged classics, Superman 2. Superman originally offered 
to direct. Spock. Leonard Nimoy was originally offered to direct this movie, but he couldn't because he was in the middle of directing. This is going to blow your mind. Three men and a baby. Wow. I had no clue <laughs> that Live Long and Prosper directed Three Men and a Baby. That No. <laughs> that 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 ghost certainly makes more sense now though. <laughs> um yeah, really, really tough matchup here. Initially I'm gonna say I'm leaning Beverly Hills cop, but I wanna hear what you think. You know, lead the weapon. I really need to revisit. I haven't seen Mm -hmm. this movie since the 80s, I would say, probably. Mm. This is one of those R-rated movies that I did see young because it was one of those that it was just like, you know, strong violence and and strong language. You know what I mean? It wasn't Mm -hmm. like over the top in any way. So I think it was kind of one of those my parents felt okay with um, showing me. And so I saw this movie early, and I remember liking it. Um, but I think I was too young to really get the the jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing the sequels. You more. weren't too young to get the violence. You, you totally understood no, that. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I had plenty of context for that. That all made perfect sense. Um, but yeah, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I've definitely seen more. I think this is a really great matchup, though. Well done um, to you. I It was funny when I was looking at our initial list. These were two that I was like, I think these are, you know, two peas in a pod as mm-hmm. far as being almost equal in being action movies and comedies, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, so definitely a genre in the 80s, the action comedy. Yeah, and I mean, if you were to say, what are the greatest action comedies of all time? I think these are the two, you know? Um, so, I mean, they, they kind of led the way for uh, some of these future action yeah. comedies. But, uh, but yeah, no, these are, these are both classics. I, I want to revisit at least Lethal Weapon, if not both of these. I'm leaning Beverly Hills Cop just because of the cultural significance. Um, you know, the song. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Axel F. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, so- sorry, Netta, you're in for a long movie ride. Here. Oh, my God, <laughs> I know. I, I, I will. We already uh, were. We were about to watch Police Academy. We were trying to watch Police Academy a couple of weeks ago, but it was not streaming anywhere. So but I'm sure she'll be on board. And uh, so <laughs> it'll be fun. Don't worry. Yeah. No. I, and again, this is this is going to be interesting because they, they both these films do a good job of balancing that violence and comedy because violence was so popular in the eighties. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see here. I I, I love this opening matchup. Uh, speaking of great matchups, uh, our next one we have Planes, Trains, and Automobiles uh, released in November of nineteen eighty seven, going up against. The Blues Brothers, released in June of 1982, former entrants in previous pop tournaments tournaments, but in separate categories. Clearly, classic car scenes. Yeah. Classic, uh, 
Just no regard for destruction, driving, yeah. seeing. <laughs> that, that's a uh, that's a good good point. Didn't think about that uh, commonality. Yeah, planes, trains was a uh, divergence for John Hughes at the time. He was really known for his teen uh, angst comedies. Uh, obviously, Steve Martin, John Candy. Only uh, surprised to, to learn this. Only pulled in four forty nine point five million in its initial run. Um, in the theaters, but uh, Blues Brothers, on the other hand, seven years earlier, pulled in $115 million, becoming the 10th highest grossing movie of 1980. I, I know the for, for people of a certain age, this is going to be a very, very controversial and difficult matchup. For me, it's a little easier. I lean planes, trains, and automobiles, but how about for you? Yeah, um, this is an easy matchup for me. I think that Blues Brothers is not funny. You know, I I think it has like some funny moments. But it's not unfunny. It's not unfunny. (laughs) It's it's goofy. You know, it's kind of more. It's like the R-rated family circus. Yeah, yeah. It has comic strip. It has a humorous tone throughout it's just not really like laugh out loud funny that there's some moments you know the nazis um the, oh, hilarious nazis i mean yeah yeah no in this his, movie history's clowns yeah. <laughs> uh that's great yeah no it's um hold on one sec here um they uh, you know, Blues Brothers, Orange Whips, there, there's some great moments, but really, it's kind of just like a fun, um, you know, Odyssey sort of movie. You know what I mean? It is um, very much like the Iliad. You're right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it like, are, are you being serious? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm totally being serious. <laughs> the, um, the Odyssey. Yeah. 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 Pl- planes, trains, and automobiles is uh, also like the Iliad. Oh, seriously. I I was just about to say, you could say that about both of these movies, but planes, trains and automobiles is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I think one of, of, one of the greatest, funniest eighties comedies. Um, so this is a no brainer for me. It's definitely planes, trains and automobiles. I can't wait to watch this movie with Netta. I, I brought it up last week. I think she's seen it, but it's been a long time, or she's seen bits and pieces of it, um, but doesn't really remember it. Um, but yeah, this is one of my all-time favorites. I mean, to me, John Candy is never funnier than he is in this movie, or more you know, touching than he is in this movie. So you you just hit on 50% of what I was about to say. I honestly believe this is both Steve Martin and John Candy's best movies ever. Yeah. Like, literally their best performances, their funniest performances, their sweetest performances. Like, just overall to have two of our best comedic actors giving their literal best performance in one movie. Yeah. You, you can't. And yeah, you can't argue with that. For a movie like this that's just joke, 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 
throughout. I mean, and the tone of it is almost like the hangover. I mean, it's like hard, cringe mm-hmm. comedy throughout where you're just like, I don't know how much more of this I can take. To get to the point by the end that you're so invested in these characters that you're bawling. I'm it's just... automatic. It's waterworks every time I watch that movie when you get to the end. And and it goes back through like Kaiser Sose style, showing all the little yeah. bits in <laughs> your like original Kaiser Sose. And and he goes, Um, I like me. I like my wife or whatever. It's my like, wife likes me. My wife likes me, exactly. Oh man, that's yeah, just if, if... I'll tell you what, if you laugh at any point during this movie and don't cry at the end, <laughs> yeah. you could just go ahead and drive off a cliff for all I'm concerned. Yeah. Yep. We don't no, need you. Too, <laughs> too good. Uh, I Also, I am just really proud that it took us to getting to a matchup between Planes, Trains, and Blues Brothers to bring up the Iliad. We're, we're really sophistic- <laughs> sophisticated here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I can't wait till we get into our Homer tourney. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this story from Homer is very reminiscent of... The Bible. The Hangover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, one one more uh, ridiculous matchup. And that's that's what I'm gonna love so much about this tournament. I, first of all, I love talking movies with you, my my fine sir. But also, I love comedy movies. You know me. I, I I'm a comedy person. So uh, this this is just gonna be so much fun. And I I love this final matchup here too because it's they're so different. We have. Coming to America, released in June of 1988, going up against This Is Spinal Tap, released in March of 1984. Coming to America, the first of a few John Landis-directed films. Uh, Very, very popular in the 80s. But uh, here we have Eddie Murphy again, Arsenio Hall, James Earl Jones, music... You know, going back to our uh, first Bowie matchup, the entire music uh, in this movie was done by Niall Rogers of Chic, hmm. who produced Let's Dance. Yeah. Ah, see, I got it. Um, Eddie Murphy plays four roles. Arsenio Hall plays four roles. This movie made over $300 million at the box office. You got bit parts from the late, great Louis Anderson. The aforementioned Samuel L. Jackson and Cuba Gooding Jr. making his on-screen debut. This is Spinal Tap, uh, directed by Rob Reiner. Uh, One of the most classic mockumentaries. Did well in our mockumentary tournament. My favorite part of Spinal Tap is that you have both Billy Crystal and Dana Carvey playing mimes. Yeah, mime is money. (laughs) Mime is money. (laughs) Um, Love both these movies, uh, and no disrespect to Spinal Tap, but I think this is coming to America in a landslide, right? I think so. Or Uh, not landslide, but decisive. I, I don't know. You know, because Spinal Tap is so cultish, it's it's hard to know 
how many people are part of that cult. <laughs> um, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> we know uh, about cults nowadays. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I think Coming to America is the more popular movie. I think it'll probably win decisively. And I, I don't totally disagree. You know, I'm not going to be mad about it, even though Spinal mm-hmm. Tap is... Great. Probably, in my opinion, pound for pound, the funniest movie ever made. Ooh. Pound um, for pound. Pound for pound. Too bad Just, it only weighs 20 pounds. Yeah, yeah. No, and, <laughs> and you know, that that's kind of true. It, you know, it is just kind of um, like a skeleton of a movie, sort of, compared to a movie like Coming to America, which is like this huge, big budget thing that is also pretty perfect, you know, and oh, still so, holds yeah. up so well today. I mean, it's definitely perfect by like '80s movie standards. It oh, is quintessential, like and, everything and, you want hits all the beats, and still really funny, and so funny. So, yeah. uh, personal, my personal like favorite parts of Coming to America. Um, I believe uh, it's. Uh, I I, I want to say I, now I can't remember. It's either it's either Eddie Murphy or Arsenio Hall, but they're 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 mopping at McDowell's, which is not McDonald's. Yeah, and it's the golden arch. Just with the, just with the biggest smile on his face and just like just staring right in the camera, just mopping <laughs> yeah. away. But also uh, the Jerry Curl commercial. Yeah. I love the, the 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 boyfriend, uh, and he's the model in the yeah. commercial. I like just I don't know. Everything is so good. James Earl Jones, like he's funny. He's actually funny. Yeah. And no. I I I love it. But I mean, there's so many iconic moments in Spinal Tap. It's if we're yeah. if we're just going on moments, yeah, it's tough to call. But I, mean, I do think coming to America. The oh, the, the Fred Willard scene in Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> is uh Ugh. you know there aren't a lot of things that make me laugh as hard where he goes i'm i'm a big fan of you guys well not you guys in particular but the genre <laughs> <laughs> there, there's not many things that make me laugh harder than fred willard so <laughs> no true yeah i think pretty much every, every time he's on screen in a film uh you know it's the best part so i I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but every time he opens his mouth, I get excited. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. No, uh, no, no. That, that it's true. It's true. It is true. No, right. like, he just he he knows like he knows how to deliver a line. Hey, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut. Um. Yeah. No. This is so. This is this is just a brief little part of of this massive massive R rated comedies tournament that we're going to have going so um but that's all i got for this week uh yeah i i don't i don't think i have anything else okay i i was wrong i did not get to see uh dumb money this week i was wrong on the release date but hopefully hopefully this upcoming week we shall see um, oh, re- real quick, one ooh. other thing. Yes. Uh, we did watch Eddie Murphy Raw, 
um, over the week, which, you know, uh, doesn't hold up great, but opening skit before starring uh, Tatiana Ali as a child, but more importantly, starring Samuel L. Jackson with the big punchline at the end. And that's from 1987. So, I mean, that's pre-Goodfellas, pre, pre... Pre-Coach Carter. Pre, it's, it's even before Coach Carter. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Strangely enough, on my Facebook memories today, uh, I was quoting a tweet about Eddie Murphy. And... Uh, you know, say what you will about him, about his career, um, and the choices he's made. But uh, a few years ago, Eddie Murphy looked back and said, "You know what? There, there is no PC wokeness. Like, yeah, I was making those jokes back then, but I look back and I was an asshole. Like, he was able to self-reflect on himself. A lot of things he said, yeah, were funny at the time. Mm-hmm. And, but and." well constructed the guy knows how to construct a joke but he's also able to go back and realize that maybe some of the things he was saying wasn't appropriate and mm-hmm. um i think he should really you know be at least respected for that that, that, that it's there's very few people in this world that are able to have that self-reflection and, and realize and, and and make changes so yeah and i mean and, n- n- not only for that i just think that He's kind of had a really rough last 20 years or so, kind of post-Nutty Professor. His career has been pretty shitty, and I think it's kind of tarnished his legacy. But I mean... But now coming back in the last three years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he is one of the funniest people of all time. One of the greatest stand-ups, one of the best comedic actors, so... Like, yeah, the technicality and the, the intelligence that goes into writing a joke, really nobody does it better than Eddie Murphy. And Yeah. Um, I know we, I, 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 I want to say we, we talked about it early, early on in the early days of this podcast, but if you have not seen Dolomite Is My Name, go watch that on Netflix. Yeah, it really good. So, so good. All right, that's the, that's the last thing. So... For everyone out there in the Pop Tournaments universe, please keep on voting and keep on popping. Pop, pop. Hit me with the horns, Tony. (laughs) 